0: The city that started it all. It's a beautiful day. What a priceless goal that could prove to be. He's going to unleash one. Oh! Sheffield Wednesday celebrate. Really Billy Sharp, you do not leave that man unmarked in the box. Sheffield United have the lead.
1: the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.
0: A very good evening to you. Welcome along to Tuesday night's Football Forum here on Captivate, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Animals and Amazon Music as well. It's the 23rd of February. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Fairfield, and I'm here to guide you through the latest action. Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe providing the analysis as always. Evening, fellas.
1: Good evening. Good
0: evening. It's the show where we discuss the Blades and the Owls, and there's all the big talking points from across British football as well. Uh, now, we're back for another of our midweek reviews this week as we split the hour into two and focus on the Steel City and the show being dedicated to the blue half of Sheffield as we look back at Saturday afternoon's action in this Sheffield Wednesday weekend review. So, coming up. One for the oldies here, Hogan's Hero for Birmingham, though. The X-Blade scores to seal the points against the Owls with a 1-0 Wednesday defeat. We'll also look ahead to tomorrow night's action, as almost a year on, Wednesday return to their last pre-COVID away day in Connor's term, uh, just at the new ground this time. Uh, it's no Griffin Park, but they head to Brentford. As other the round of unpredictable, well, there isn't actually on this edition,
2: but there's more on that later on. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and on your smart speaker, Alexa, play shoe football forum.
0: We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. And it's live. So thanks for joining us uh, for this Sheffield Wednesday weekend review and uh, getting into the action. And Sheffield Wednesday is our focus for this episode. And uh, attention is turning to Saturday afternoon's action uh, that's just gone. And Wednesday, they're in a, a bit of good form, shall we say, when it comes to home games, rather the less said about their away form. Uh, The better. They'd only conceded one goal at home, in fact, in their last five games at Hillsborough. And they were looking to make it six wins on the spin at home for the first time since 2012, if I've got my stats correct. Let's find out if they got that 10th win of the season in the league. Adam Oxley has the answer. Lovely bit of darting run into the back post is Hogan! Scott Hogan scores his first Sheffield United goal, it's 2-1. Oops, sorry Connor, wrong clip. Halilovic out to the left for Bella, looking to take on Palmer, drills it into the centre and it's taken a touch off Hogan and in. Managed to get a nick on the way through from Bella, wrong footed Kieran Westwood. Goes in for Birmingham City. A huge goal for the Blues in this crunch game towards the bottom end of the Championship. We've played 18 minutes in the second half. It's 10-man Sheffield Wednesday nil, Birmingham City one. So, is it 10 and lucky for Wednesday, Chappers?
1: No, it was actually 10 and unlucky, but a different kind of 10. Uh, 10 men Sheffield Wednesday could not make its six home wins on the spin as they lost 1-0 hosting fellow strugglers at Birmingham City. In the first half, a few chances. It was the visitors who had the best. Gary Gardner came closest to scoring. He really should have done better after he headed a lovely free kick from Jadini Bella, uh, just wide from close range early in the second half. And uh, the Owls were reduced to ten. youngster Liam Shaw picked up second gel a second yellow card after a challenge on Maxine Collam. Shaw won the ball, but it was his follow through that sent him for an early bath uh, on the fiftieth minute. Uh, and left Sheffield Wednesday a man down for the remaining 40 minutes of the half, and soon after uh, the Blues took advantage of that man, uh, that extra man. Barry Bannon lost the ball high up the pitch, and Birmingham broke. Uh, Bella whipped in a ferocious ball after cutting inside Liam Palmer, and former Blaze loney Scott Hogan, who's done it again, got away from his marker Che Dunkley to to get the faintest of flicks on the ball to wrong foot Kieran Westwood. Jordan Rhodes had a golden opportunity to rescue a point for the Owls a few minutes from time, but he saw his header saved at point-blank range by Blues goalkeeper Neil Etheridge. 1-0 it finished to Birmingham City. And here's what interim boss Neil Thompson had to say.
2: Scrappy first half, um, played too long. You know, you go and, you know, you maybe play a long first five or 10 minutes to get get them dropped right off, and then you have room to play, and then we didn't go get on the ball. And that's, that was a disappointment, but I thought for certainly half an hour, 35 minutes I didn't think that caused any problems and then they got into the game a wee bit, had one or two chances um, and then second half, obviously the sending off changes it. Um, but I thought we, we dug deep, changed our system a couple of times and had a bit of a go second half um, and we had one or two little opportunities to get back back on turns, but you know not to be yeah disappointing week all around.
1: Neil Thompson there after his side's 1-0 defeat at home to Birmingham City. Connor, what were your thoughts? You know, a tight game. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh,
2: yeah, a shocking game, really, from from a neutral point of view. And obviously, from a Wednesday point of view, you, you take the result aside, the performance was stinking, really. It was a really poor performance from start to finish, really. Um, first half, there wasn't much in it. I know you said Birmingham had the better chances. I probably disagree with that. I think it was it's so hard to pick between each team because we had a decent chance through Tom Lee's. Oh, if it fell to somebody else, you'd probably back to score, but falling to your centre half wasn't ideal. Um, it was a, but it was a really poor half. You know, the, it, it looked like two um, poor teams in the division slogging it out in a proper relegation dogfight, and of course, that's exactly what it was. And you can't really be surprised at that. Um, I thought we went, I think Neil Thompson alluded to it after the game, that we went long too much in the first half, especially. And we just didn't really, well, we just kept giving the ball away. Simple as that. We went long, gave the ball away. At times we picked it up from the second phase with Hutchinson and Shaw trying to get closer to the strikers. And when we did pick it up went on the second ball, we just didn't have a quality to, to find that cross or that pass that was going to open up Birmingham. And... More often than not, we'd play a long ball, and Birmingham'd win it, or it'd go out, and and it was a it was a miserable experience watching that game. Even in the first half, when there wasn't much between the sides at all, and I don't think there was much between the sides throughout the game at, at all. Really, it just looked like a proper poor slog of a game. And um, you know, in 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 the in the in home games, we've been on the right side of these fine margins that's the only way we've been winning games really none of them have been won comfortably apart from the Wickham game so if you're always playing your games on the tight margins chances are you're probably going to lose one at some point and big moment goes against us in the game the the red card which I'm not here to analyze refereeing decisions but I think he's got that completely wrong the first one is never a yellow card shows he's not really seen the man he's just sort of gone for the ball and it's a foul, but it's not a yellow. And the second one, I don't even think it's a foul, to be honest, but it's one of those where you shouldn't be, con- You should when you're on a yellow card, you've got to use your brain a bit more. I'll concede that. And Liam Shaw, it's got to be careful. The ball's in there off. It's on the side of the pitch. There's no need to go in like that, whether it's the right decision or not. He's given Lee Mason a decision to make. And I think that's probably down to him just being a little bit overeager, trying to show that he's still committed to the cause, but overdoing it a little bit by putting in a tackle that he didn't need to make. And, and that puts us in a difficult position. And as soon as we go the goal down, you just know there's no chance us coming back. We've scored one equalising goal all season. We've picked up zero points from winning positions. We've not won from behind since... We beat Brentford in December 2019. I think these are stats that I come out with most most weeks, to be honest, and it doesn't doesn't show any sign of changing. And I suppose it was never really going to with, with 10 men out on that pitch um, after going 1-0 behind.
1: Obviously, down to 10 men, it's always going to be difficult, like you say, especially with such, well, dismal stats um, for, for Wednesday after they've gone behind. However, you look at it from the other side and you think maybe if Liam Shaw hadn't have got that second jello, maybe if he hadn't given Lee Mason a decision to make, maybe if it had stayed on the pitch, would Wednesday have lost that game?
2: Um, It's a tough one because you never really know, but I, I don't think we would. I don't think we looked too uncomfortable defensively. I think Birmingham had a couple of moments in the first half, like you mentioned the Gary Gardner chance, and I think Birmingham started to come into it as that first half ended but they weren't really causing too many problems going forward. And the fact that Liam Shaw got sent off meant that we had to restructure a bit. It meant that we just had to play with the one up front, which gave them more time to play out of the back. And it became so much easier for them to bypass Callum Patterson because in the first half, although we weren't playing well, we were pressing well and we were... Birmingham did a good job of stopping us playing. We did a good job of stopping them playing in that first half. And in the second half, when we were down to 10, it becomes a lot harder because... The centre backs have got more time on the ball. They can then play it into midfield, and obviously that draws a man out of your of your def- either midfield to go and press them, and it b- makes the team become a bit uh, less structured. Would the goal have happened with eleven men? Again, it's a tough tough one to call. Uh, it, it obviously com- completely changes the 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 focus of the game, and and maybe it, it gives Birmingham a bit of encouragement to attack a little bit more. So, you know, if I had to give either way if I had to put my neck on the line I don't think we'd have lost it if we'd have kept 11 men on the pitch and you do blame the referee in part for that because he's made the wrong decision but also use your noggin a bit and uh, stay on your feet when you're on a yellow card especially when the ball's nowhere near your goal so I think from a Wednesday point of view that's what you've got to look at and that's what you've got to try and make sure you don't do because it's been a problem all season the lack of discipline and I I hasten to call that a lack of discipline because I don't think it's a, a terrible tackle but I think it's again, it's just putting yourself in a situation where you could be booked when there's no real need to. If it wasn't on a yellow card, then I'd I'd understand him going for that ball, but I think you've got to be a little bit more careful.
1: And I think just very briefly looking at that second yellow, you know, the defender's not going anywhere. He's not in a dangerous position. You know, he's high he's high up the pitch in, in his own half, if that makes sense. You know, he's 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 not going anywhere and I think you're right, Liam Shaw's sure just got to be a little bit smarter there and think, you know, I don't actually need to make that challenge. I don't actually give, don't need to give Lee Mason a decision to make and the problem is, 10 years ago, I was listening to the extended um, highlights on, on Birmingham City's YouTube channel and the, the co-commentator was saying 10, 15 years ago, that probably wouldn't have even been a foul, let alone a yellow card. And But nowadays it is and, you know, that that's just where you've got to take a little bit of personal responsibility and, and not go diving in there but I just want to move away from that if we look at Wednesday and how they set up to begin with they went for a, a 4-4-2 which which has been used at times this season not really a great deal recently uh Neil Thompson's generally opted to play a five at the back you played 4-4-2 against Bournemouth um but a slightly different um set of players who, who scored got that completely
2: wrong by the way it, it they, was not a 4-4-2 not? at Bournemouth it, it was a, a 3-5-2
1: <laughs> beyond the point completely different yeah. formation and personnel this time Barry Bannon playing in in an unfamiliar role or what a role that you probably don't see him particularly often in uh, on that left hand side did it
2: work for Wednesday well no um, Bannon has played in that role before but it's not been for quite a while he played in there on the left under Carlos when we were a 4-4-2 team but we were also a team that had quality all over the pitch played a, a nice uh, passing brand of football we were often camped in the opposition half, especially towards the end of the season because we came, became a scalp for teams. Um, so we were often playing on the front foot and we had quality around Bannon to go and pick the ball up off the defence. We had quality all over the pitch to go and dictate and play on the front foot and make sure that we weren't giving it away stupidly. I think the problem was, is that I think you look at a midfield two of Liam Shaw and Sam Hutchinson and yeah, there's not that, Ball-playing midfielder in there, you've got Hutchinson who will run after people, chase them down. He's very good in the tackle. He can also switch a ball from left to right pretty nicely, Um but he won't take accept the ball in tight areas and progress it forwards in that way. Um Liam Shaw is somebody who I still think is trying to find his best position. What position do we expect Liam Shaw to go on to nail down? I think that's probably a million-dollar question, and unfortunately, that's going to be... For Neil Lennon, if he's still in the Celtic job or whoever replaces him, because he'll probably get sacked. Um, but in terms of his attributes, he, he's somebody that can get the ball from the back but isn't as good on it as Bannon. I think he's good when he's pushing forward and breaking forward from midfield as well. So I think we missed Bannon's presence in the middle, and it became difficult for, for the defence to play from back to front through midfield because Birmingham had an extra man in there. They've got Ivan Sunnichu was patrolling in front of that back four uh, as well. So that that became difficult and it ended up just going over the top. We lost the ball and part of the reason we were so poor, really. Um, and defensively, you know, I, th- I don't think defensively has ever been our main issue. It's been going forwards. Uh, well, apart from last season at times when we were conceding five goals here and there, but but this season, the problem's been creating chances and it will be creating chances for the rest of the season with with the current personnel that we've got. And it's how do you mould those players into a system that's going to help you create some chances? And it's probably going to be by pressing the opposition and winning the ball high up and being quick in transition. And I think to do that, you need a bit more pace out wide um, and you probably need a midfield, you probably want to play a three in midfield um, and you probably want Bannon within that.
1: And finally, I just want to touch on um, some passing statistics for Kieran Westwood and your back four. So a percentage of passing accuracy, I want to read them out. Kieran Westwood, 37%, Liam Palmer, 52%, Tom Lee, 63%, Che Dunkley, 46%, Matt Penny, 60%. If you compare that to Birmingham's, back four and goalkeeper. Neil Etheridge uh 65%. Maxim uh, Maxim Maxime Collan 71%. Uh Dean 68%. Clark Salter, 78%. And Pederson 55%. Completely different and a much, much lower percentage for, for Wednesday's back line. Why I know it's difficult to potentially explain, but why was it so poor and you know how much did that affect Wednesday Wednesday's game?
2: Well massively because like I said it, it didn't allow us to build any attacks because the, the distribution from the back was just absolutely abysmal. I mean, it it was embarrassing at times, you, and I don't want to single out players, but I think that's the worst I've seen Dunkley play because he was he just looked um, so uncomposed. If that's you know if that's the way, just there was no composure on the ball, and and if it was in the air and nobody was around. A defender, they'd often just head it back into, into space instead of knowing that they've got time bringing it down. I think that comes down to a lack of confidence, uh, a bit of feeling, a bit of pressure with the situation we're in. Obviously, every point being vital. Um, also, credit to Birmingham, I think they pressed us pretty well. And this, you know, they got in our faces, and we just don't have any answer to teams that press well. Stoke did it in the second half against us, we didn't have any answer. Millwall did it in the second half, we didn't have any answer. Because nobody seems to have that composure on the ball at the back to, you know, bring it down and pick out a pass. But it's also not just their fault. It's like I said with the setup, with the four in front of them, with Shaw and Hutchinson in midfield. I don't think that worked well in terms of giving them an option. So sometimes they were forced long, and obviously, if you force long, the chances are that the pass isn't going to be as successful as if you're playing a ten-yard pass. So little components make that up I think there's different obviously going down to 10 men doesn't help but it was a problem in the first half when it was 11 v 11 some of the passing from the back was absolutely atrocious and um, it's obviously I'm not expecting us to be playing out from the back like Barcelona but give yourselves a chance by keeping possession a little bit and and not going long all the time sometimes you've got to mix it up and I will add as well it's, it's it's a shocking pitch at Hillsborough at the minute and that obviously isn't helping, no doubt about it. And maybe the plan is to go along because of that pitch, and and I get that, but I think you've got to mix it up a bit more. Sheffield Wednesday
0: there with a uh, a bit of a gut wrenching uh, one 0 defeat, shall we say, it does mean now that Wednesday lie twenty third in the championship table, um, but there are they aren't too far off. Um, safety. Only three points, so Birmingham out of the drop zone because of that, but Wednesday have got a game in hand over the likes of Birmingham and Coventry. Rotherham, though, have got two. Um, But for now, that does wrap up Sheffield Wednesday, and um, our attention is going to turn from from last Saturday to tomorrow night, in fact, because uh, of all places to go, 353 days on, from the uh, the last gate well in all honesty the last football match that uh, that connor went to that uh, regarded wednesday no longer at griffin park let's see if there's a, a 5-0 this time brentford is next it's at the new stadium it's the previews in just a second
1: joseph josh and connor this is
0: Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. You're with Football Forum for this Sheffield Wednesday weekend review. Much appreciating your company. So it's on to the previews for tomorrow night's action. And this being the championship and a midweek uh, program, they split it in half. Uh, this is why you're getting this tonight, uh, because Wednesday are playing on their namesake day. As we say, it's at the Brentford Community Stadium. There's no more four pubs and there's uh, there's going to be no fans there, obviously, um, with the news. Uh, hopefully, Wednesday will have fans back in by the time they're potentially in League One. Um, Connor, how do Wednesday approach this then, obviously? Is it back to a 3-5-2? We know what Brentford uh, are like. They're second at the moment in the in the championship
2: table, but they've struggled in recent weeks. Yeah, and, and they are a beatable side. You know, they've lost the last three in a row and I think we'll come to Brentford in a bit more detail after. But coming to us to start with, I think we've got to look at that Bournemouth win as a as a bit of a blueprint for this one. Now, obviously, it's two different teams, but they're two teams that do have some similar sort of qualities. Both like to play out from the back. Both got a lot of good players. Both play a four-three-three system. Um, system. And it works so well as we... At, at Bournemouth, as we as we disrupted their game, and we 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 didn't press high all the time. We we pre, we uh, picked our moments when to press um, certain triggers to go and hunt after the ball and hunt in packs and do it well. And um, I think that's exactly what we should do against Brentford. I think we should try and play without fear and and try and you know not try and sit back and and make sure that we're doing something to disrupt their pattern of playing out from the back. Um, I think the 3-5-2 in that respect will would be the best way to go. I think if you bring Kachunga back in, you have a bit more pace to go and press high up. Um, somebody who's going to work hard. Doesn't really give you too much quality in the final third, but it definitely has a function within a team who are against somebody who's playing out from the back because I think probably went under the radar a bit at Bournemouth, but I thought it was very effective. You know, Went sort of watching it back you realise um sort of away from the heat of the moment of how how important his job was. Um and the, the three in midfield would mean we can match them up a little bit in terms of not leaving ourselves uh, three v2 in there. That'd be key. And, you know, in terms of playing five at the back, one of the issues is you worry about overlapping fullbacks, creating two v ones out wide. But as I'm sure we'll come to in a bit, Rico, Henry's injured. He went well. I'm assuming he's going to be injured. He looked like it was a pretty bad one to his hamstring against Coventry. Um, they don't actually have another left-footed left-back in that team. Um, and at right-back, I think Dalsgard came on against Coventry. Rasmussen started. Tariq Fosu could be an option there. So I guess the point is that if we can stop them attacking down their right-hand side, because they've got Brian Mbwemo down that side as well... And- to the left when they're going to have a, a right footer playing at left back pr- probably. And Sergei kanos who is a decent player, but isn't as good as Embuemo. I think that's probably the way that you, you stop Brentford. Um, obviously it's going to be a tough game. It's never as easy as, as that to just stop a team who are undoubtedly a good side that are going through one of their rough patches, which we see that they're very capable of going through. Um, two teams pretty low on confidence as well. So, let's see if we can force a mistake early on and try and have an effect that way.
0: So as we say uh, Ivan Tony he's going to be a big miss for uh, for Brentford tomorrow night. Rico Henry as Connors was mentioning he's also out for Brentford. Uh Chappers how do you think because obviously we we know Brentford second as we say at the moment in the championship looking to get up to the Premier League. I think it's the third or the fourth time of asking now. Um we know the quality they've got. But with, with key players like that, I mean, Tony's been absolutely brilliant in terms of scoring goals this season. How much of a miss do you think they're going to be for uh, for the host tomorrow night?
1: Yeah, Ivan, Tony's been uh, absolutely fantastic this season. I'm just looking at some of his stats now. He's he started every game. Uh, well, sorry, I, I say every game. He obviously didn't start against Coventry because he was injured, but he started every other game in the Championship this season for Brentford. He scored 24 goals, got nine assists. And... Um, He's obviously going to be a, a massive miss for any team. Um, he's he got replaced by Marcus Force um, in the Coventry game. Force is, he's only started three times this season. He's been he's he's come off the bench twenty you know a further twenty three times. Um, but he's obviously nowhere near as prolific as, as Ivan Tony is it's always difficult to judge because obviously he hasn't as has, has as much game time as Tony. he's, he's scored five goals this season us, so you'd probably expect him to come in uh, and well and, and keep his place I should, I should say uh, from the Coventry game but like I say Ivan Tony's gonna be a massive miss and Rico Henry is he's, he's another player in, in a similar vein to Tony in terms of appearances you know he's played 31 games um sorry 30 games again uh, for for, for Brentford. He missed one early in the season, but apart from that, he's he's played every game. You know, he's so influential as Connor says, he's the only left footed left back in that side. Um, so you, you've got to, you've got to try and, well, if you, if you're Thomas Frank, you've got to try and find a solution to that big problem that they're going to have. And if you're Neil Thompson, you probably look to exploit that right-hand side while well, that Brentford left hand side Wednesday's right hand side um, as an area of potential weakness for, for the hosts. Um, and hope that you get a little bit of joy down that right hand side um, to, to try and force a mistake for you know for whoever slots in there. Uh, obviously, not going to be a natural position for him. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a massive loss and, and two really big players for for Brentford that are both going to be missing out unfortunately for them.
2: Yeah, I just think as well, Ivan Tony, we we know how good he is. I think every Wednesday fan who watched that game, he was absolutely unplayable. It wasn't just the goal that he scored as well. Did he? he might have scored two, actually. I can't remember who got the winner for Brentford. Um, but he was, obviously, he's really strong. He runs the channels well. He's good at passing. I think he's got just about everything to his game as a striker, which is why I was surprised not to see a, a Premier League club take a punt on him in the summer in, in some mm. ways. I think I, remember saying, I think I remember saying he'll probably end up at Brentford, but he would make Burnley and Crystal Palace and West Ham better. And I think that he's obviously proven that this season. And... If Brentford don't go up, Ivan Tony will go up because, well, there's been talk of him going to Leicester as a long-term replacement for Vardy. So, naturally, him not playing is is massive for us and a massive boost. But what I will say is that I haven't really seen that much of Marcus Force, so I couldn't really tell you what type of player he is. But his goal his goal record is actually very good. So he's played 558 minutes, which is the equivalent of 90 minutes just over six times. So if you're taking him from that, he's, he's, scored, he's scored five goals this season in, in just over six games, six full games. And obviously, it's difficult to make an impact off the bench. I think these 23 substitute appearances are all coming sort of towards the end of games. And it's difficult, really. You know, he has actually made 26 appearances and scored five. But he's like Chapa said, within three starts and within just over six full games. So I still think he's going to be a massive threat. And like we say, with Brian Emblemo, not being as good this season really but we know how good of a player he is um, and we know that Brentford have got quality all over the pitch and we've got this horrible knack of managing to end teams bad runs um, which you know didn't happen against Wickham didn't happen against Bournemouth but did happen against Coventry and did happen against Birmingham so let's see maybe we're due to win this one
1: (laughs) yeah I mean just touching very briefly about uh, Marcus Force again like you say, Conor, he hasn't had a great deal of game time towards the end of the game. I'm looking looking back, and if you look from the middle of December when they played Watford, every substitute appearance uh, he's made since then has been 20 minutes or less. The only time he's ever reached 20 minutes was, was in that game against Watford, but you're looking here, 12 12 minutes, 1 minute, 16 minutes, 13, 8, 11, you know, some a lot of them are actually under 10 minutes, and like you say, he's, he's managed to score five goals In just over six full games. So, you know, if you're looking at that as a goal ratio, you're basically talking a goal a game, aren't you, really? Which, you know, considering he's only played three times
0: from the beginning, he's he's very, very good. Indeed. Uh, So Brentford are going to be a handful. The question is, can Wednesday be an even bigger handful and upset the apple cart? Well, uh, score prediction time. Uh, Brentford, as we say in second, up against Sheffield Wednesday, second bottom. Uh, Wednesday night, seven o'clock kickoff. This is on Sky Sports Football's red button. Uh, so I cannot watch this, um, but I will be uh, hoping that Brentford score seven. Uh, Connor,
2: score prediction for you. Well, I don't think they'll be getting seven. I think it'll be a pretty tight one. I think we'll lose one nil. Um you know, this isn't a Brentford side that are full of confidence playing well at the minute and I think that'll probably hinder them a bit, I think, like we discussed with no Tony, no Henry, um, no Norgard either, which we haven't even mentioned. Um, They're missing some important players and defensively, we've always got a mistake in us, but we're generally not too bad. It's just going forward that we really struggle. Can't see us scoring unless we do what we did at Bournemouth, but I don't know. I think um Brentford are a, just a, you know, a more well-organized, well-oiled machine at this level. Bournemouth, I think, under Jason Tindall, were really set up in a weird way and, and never really looked like a, a proper team, you know, um, a co- cohesive unit. Whereas Brentford are—they're just on a bad run at the minute. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll come out on top. So a 1-0 Brentford win for Connor.
0: Now I'm sort of torn between 2-1 and 3-1. I'm gonna say 2-1, primarily because there's no Ivan Tony. Uh so a 2 1 Brentford victory for me. Chappers.
1: Yeah, I agree with Connor. I think it will be fairly close. Um, I think Brentford will just be desperate for a result of any, you know, any way it comes. Um, you know, lost three, lost the last three on the bounce. Never really what you want. Um, I'm actually going to say slightly more than Connor, but fairly cagey and tight.
0: 2 0 Brentford. 2 0 Brentford for Chappers. And uh, once all the dust has settled at the Brentford Community Stadium, and in fact, on all the games in the Championship midweek, uh, it will be Friday, but there's plenty more where that
2: came from for Football Forum. That mountain that they need to climb is getting steeper every week. I I, I think we're in big trouble. It's rotten. To the core, to be honest. It's not a good time
1: to be a Sheffield United fan. 2-1 defeat away at the Figgin. Conor, Figgin. Figgin, I don't know. Where's that come I'm from? Tight.
0: The biggest guess. Oh, morning, mate. All right. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Joseph Hadfield. Oh, goodness me. So basile. <laughs> Josh Chapman.
2: Oh, wow. It was awful. Connor Thorpe. It was uh, an absolutely massive win. Cardin already. Cardinal <laughs> Card- Card- wow. already. I can't believe I've just said that.
0: <laughs> We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum Thursdays from 5.15, only on Shoe Radio. Yes, Football Forum back at the usual time of uh, some point on Friday. So uh, be checking your podcast provider and you will have another edition of Football Forum there. Right, it's on to another round of Unpredictable and The actual fact of the matter is there isn't one, primarily because all the games focused in on Wednesday will come on Friday's edition um, on the midweek review, uh, but the other half will be on the United review, uh, which uh, will be in your provider right now. So go and have a listen to that if you want to know the scores. Right, that's about it from Football Forum. Uh, We are back, as we say, on Friday uh, for the midweek version. Of our review involving Sheffield Wednesday, looking back at the Brentford game and uh, what ensues from there. Remember, the Sheffield United weekend review is also in your podcast provider, so check that one out. and for me, Chappers and Connor, and all the team here on Football Forum, me and Connor will see you on Friday. Take care. Good night.
2: Shoe Radio. So
0: beautiful day.
1: Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.